You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. And gents, welcome to this episode number 38, is it? Tales with TR. I'm your host, Terry Ryan. I hope you're all doing all right. Um, let's see, a lot to talk about, but uh, today I got my old buddy Jack Michaels uh, coming on the program. I'm pretty excited about it. Jack used to be my radio guy in uh, Colorado Springs. So there was a year, there was a year, 2000 and 2001, I believe it was. Um, yeah, I, I was holding out of Montreal for, for a chance to play. People look back and, and think it was money, or they often say that. It was never, money was never on my mind. I knew I had uh, enough money. Um, now I don't. I mean, at the time, I had a good contract. I was never worried about, like, give me more money, but I wanted a chance to play. So in 99, 2000, I played in my hometown, St. John's. It was kind of on loan from Montreal kind of thing. And they were both, they were looking to trade me, and uh, the Leafs were looking to sign me. So it looked promising. In any case, uh, things fell through. The next season, I still was kind of, I wasn't a free agent. Montreal owned my rights. Uh, but, you know, I was just waiting for a trade. Again, without, without getting into the logic and, and of that decision, which there wasn't, wasn't much. Um, you know, I just want to concentrate on, 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 you know, telling you about my time in Colorado Springs. So uh, I, cho I chose there because... I'd never been like a free agent per se. You know, you go to Tri-City, I knew I was going there. I got drafted to Montreal, I knew I was going there. There's a lot happening in Montreal. You're under the microscope. Again, feed off it when you're a kid. It's great. It's, it's awesome. I'm, I'm not here to complain about playing for the Habs. But there was a big level of a professionalism. Um, there was a level of expectation, you know, in the public, uh, do media interviews, all that, again, which I liked. Um, there were, you know, you had to be on the ball. Um, you're also, yeah, you know, you're in the NHL. It's great. Um, but then, you know, so I'm playing in Fredericton because that's their firm team. When I played in St. John's, I was on a loan, like looking. I didn't really have much say in that. Bill Waters phoned and said he was trying to trade for me. So I said, bring it on and join the St. John's Maple Leafs. Now, when all that didn't happen the next season, I'm thinking I'm going to get traded immediately. You know, that's what they're kind of telling me. It never did happen, really. I mean, I'll get into that another episode, but, um, and that's here or there or whatever. I should have gone back. It was my fault more than anything, 
But the next season, which was 2001, I, I really didn't know what to do, where to go. So I had a buddy, Todd Gillingham, who was heading down there. I didn't know anything about the minor leagues, let alone the West Coast League. I knew a little bit about the East Coast League because New Orleans uh, were our farm team um, when I was with Fredericton. So they were like our double affiliate. People that like the, from Newfoundland here that watch the Newfoundland Growlers, that's the East Coast League, right? So they're Toronto's double affiliate. Right. There's the Marlies. Then there's the Growlers. Well, New Orleans Brass were their name. They were our double affiliate. So we got to go down there and have a couple of exhibition games and stuff, which was a blast. New Orleans. In any case, I didn't know much about those leagues, but I knew I liked Colorado Springs and I always wanted to go there. I mean, I, I like what I heard. And it's just a great place. But the hockey's really laid back. Um, you know, going from Montreal anywhere would be uh, other than, you know, one of the original six. Um unless you're playing in Moscow somewhere for Dynamo, whatever it is. But anyway, anyway, uh, so anyway, I went to Colorado Springs. Nice building. Uh, Colorado College played where we played. A really, really nice building. Um, I, I'm guessing it held eight to 10,000. Um, a good night for us was four or five, which is pretty much in the minors. A good night most places. Um, it just didn't always look like the next year I played in Boise, Idaho, and it always looked packed, and it was... Maybe five, four or five even fits in the building. So it was um, different. And in Colorado, we probably averaged three. So, you know, it was great. We had, we had our little fan base. It was awesome. But I, I, I enjoyed coming out and not having reporters in my face. After those few years in Montreal, it was stressful for a kid. And uh, really, but it, it was great players on the team. Zach Boyer and Craig Lyons from Kamloops. Uh, the beginning of the dynasty they had in junior. Zach Boyer scored the big goal against uh, Seattle in the Memorial Cup 91. Uh, before I was in the league, but I watched it. And like I said, Gilly was there, um, longtime minor leaguer at the time and still friend of this day, Jeff Circa, defenseman. He's been my guest. I, I believe he was our guest on Third Man In, which is, was an affiliated podcast of mine. I uh, quit doing about a year ago. Um, uh, Cirks was there. Uh, geez, RJ Enga. We had Mark Gowan. We had uh, Rhett Trombley. Rhett the Threat came in for a little bit. Real tough dude. Jason Knox, uh, Tom Perry. I I I feel I, I know some of the boys listen. <laughs> I don't want to go through, through the whole lineup in my head, but it was it was a good lineup for for the minors for sure. Like a lot of guys who'd played NHL games and at least draft picks, whatever it would be. It wasn't the AHL, of course, but it was also a big, big, huge Olympic size rink, and we were the highest elevation. Like all the United States Olympic teams would practice there because it's hard to keep your breath to be honest you're already like seven or eight thousand feet up in the air i believe it's the highest elevated um city in the continental united states it's close to it colorado springs i know pike's peak which is the mountain you know the, that, that you the, the main mountain in the area that you're looking up there there's a mountain range but pike's peak's the highest of it it's in colorado springs and i believe that is one of the highest peaks in the continental united states of course outside of hawaii and alaska which has much higher peaks, I believe Alaska does. Um, anyway, so it was a great time, but uh, this dude, Jack Michaels, had come from Pennsylvania. This is what I remember. Now, we're going to find out in a second. I haven't talked to him since. We've exchanged the odd message. Love the guy. Um, anyway, he'd come from Pennsylvania, and he came to Colorado Springs, was our radio guy. Now, I was hurt half that year. If you look back, if you look at my hockey DB, I, I was surprised. I thought I played 50 or 60. I played 30 that year. I got my arms skated over. Um, in line in front of the net, a guy went to push off. My thing came up. Of course, 
I don't wear anything on the inside. I had no wristbands or anything on. And he skated right over my wrist. So this was crazy. And I still have pins and needles in my wrist. It, 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 it's numb to my mind right now, but it's literally, a, a, it, it, yeah, it's numb. I, I could, there's parts of my hand, my outside of my hand, not inside where you grab things, the other side. I could put a needle right through it and I don't feel it. I'm just used to feeling like that. Should have taken the insurance money when I could, T-Boone. Um, but anyway. So I was doing the color for half the year. And Jack was our radio guy. He was, a, I don't know if he was a rookie then or he was close to, but I remember doing lots of games with him and we had a blast. And, you know, even though it's the minors and Jack's up in the NHL now, and I'd been in the NHL before that, uh, it was just a, a great town. It was a great town. Just certainly for him to be cutting his teeth in pro hockey was probably, I'm thinking it was perfect. Um, and, uh, you know, smaller market some fans not a whole lot uh not you know, some some nhl some ahl some stories on the ice basically if you're a radio guy you like the story i mean i was a story a huge story coming from the nhl to go to the west coast league people were like what the fuck's going on out of my own choice too um and you'll hear more about that in a minute but craig lyons was one of the best hockey players i've ever seen i believe in the west coast league he scored 500, 600 points or something. The league's defunct now. I believe it's all under the brush, uh, under the guise of the ECHL. Used to be the East Coast League, the West Coast League, the Atlantic Coast League, all of which I played in. <laughs> Suitcase. But um, anyway, uh, at, at, at that particular time, yeah, Craig Lyons was definitely the best player in the league. I don't think you could deny that given his scoring statistics for the five or six year run that the league had, give or take a few. Uh, in, in any case, we just had a blast, man. We, we went to concerts. We hung out. It didn't feel like a whole lot of pressure. It felt like a bunch of guys having fun. We lost in the playoffs to Boise, Idaho. We gave it a good run. And you'll hear more about that in a second. But listen, without further ado, I'm, I am going to talk about some uh, other topics. And we'll get to those after the interview. I'm excited. I was actually out all morning. It's such a beautiful day here in St. John's. It's 10 degrees Celsius right now. I was just outside. It's February 4th. So it's my mom's birthday. Happy birthday, Gail Ryan. But I was just outside in a T-shirt. And uh, I'm putting on shorts now for the badness of it when I pick up my daughter from school. Fuck it. Shorts in February. Um, who knows? That's good or bad or ugly. I'm not here to comment on that. I just know it's a great day today. Uh, stay tuned. Jack Michaels will be with us momentarily. Ladies and gents, it gives me great pleasure to welcome to Tales with Tier, an awesome announcer, a bodacious broadcaster, a vivacious voice, a colorful commentator, a hell of a hockey analyst. He'll make your day doing the play-by-play. If you want my choice, he's got the best voice. He's not all talk. He walks the walk. To have him on our team was a real big honor. Now he calls games for McDavid. You know, Connor. We were both gold kings back in Colorado Springs. This one's going to be good, so grab a drink and a snack, because I assure you, folks, you don't really know Jack. Jack Michaels, my old buddy, 20 years. How the hell are you doing? I'm great. You're looking well. You're, you look you look playing weight. You, well, I'm still playing senior hockey, if you can believe it. <laughs> I can't give it up. I can't, I can't it up. believe it. I can believe it. Absolutely. That and, that and ball hockey keeps me in shape. Now, that being said, Jack, I just, you look 
exactly the same. It would be 19. It would be 20 years, I guess, that I've yeah. seen you. I mean, we, like, you know, I, yeah, I feel like I I feel like I've seen you because you're always out there. And, you know, I follow the Oilers moderately being from Newfoundland, but I got a podcast. So I they're they're a, a hell of a team to watch. So I often hear you. I hear your voice more than you hear mine. But it's great to finally talk to you again. Um, so basically, give us your situation right now. What's your job with the Edmonton Oilers? I know you just changed a little bit. I did. I did. I got, uh, I got bumped up to TV this year. So nice. believe it or not, they decided this was good enough. I, I, <laughs> you always, you always were of the opinion and I concurred that this belonged on the radio <laughs> and it did for 20 years in pro hockey, but uh, maybe they ran out of options, but whatever. Um, I still do the radio when I'm not, when, you know, when it's a national telecast, when it's hockey night in Canada. So for instance, this Saturday, when you get the first battle of Alberta, I'll be back on the radio and, uh, Oilers flames will be on hockey night in Canada. But yeah, no, I, I got to bump up this year. I'm doing all the games on Sportsnet for regional Oilers. So I'm excited about it. And now this is my, believe it or not, 11th year. In I, can't believe it. I can't believe it. Now we're going to get into yeah. the history of it now because, I, I don't think anybody has a normal path in the hockey world, especially not the people behind the scenes, the radio guys, the assistant coaches. The, I mean, everybody other than the players, the players, it's unique enough, but you can follow along, right? It's easy to follow along hockey DB, whatever you might be. I remember you being, I believe you either came from Pennsylvania. You're from there. How did Correct. you get involved in hockey, Jack? Were you a player or did you just get involved as a fan? Um, and was it hockey first, then radio or radio? Oh, I got a job in hockey. Uh, it was, it was uh, all those things. First of all, you know, I wasn't a player, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I just needed my audience to hear it. Yeah. I was going to say, I, I, you, you know, as well as I do that as far as the athletic ability intramural would be the highest level I ever achieved. Uh, but yeah, and, and it was, it was radio before hockey growing up in Western PA, as you may or may not remember football first. Right. I, you know, I, I was pretty open about that. Uh, but I did a high school game that was played at two o'clock before the pens were playing at seven okay. at the igloo, the old igloo. <clears throat> and well, where, where is I, your hometown? Is it close to Pittsburgh? It's north of Pittsburgh. It's it's south of Erie, north of Pittsburgh. So okay. where Connor played his junior hockey, I'm south of there, and I'm north of Pittsburgh. So okay. basically, I'm from nowhere. I mean, <laughs> I am. I mean, let's let's face it. So, uh, bottom line is, as I was doing a high school playoff game, and after the game, it went overtime, and the Penguins game was, you know, the 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 Penguins you know, behind the scenes staff were setting up their gear for the game. They were just basically waiting for me to get the hell out of there. And both penguin announcers, including the hall of famer, Mike Lang and Matt one of McConnell. my favorites ever. Yeah, exactly. And, and Matt McConnell, who has bounced around the league for a number of years. And now for the last several years uh, has been the voice of the Arizona coyotes. They said, you know, I, we don't know what you're doing. Blah, blah, blah. I'm sure you're doing some small call. And I was like, yeah, I do college football, basketball. They're like, Forget that. You should be doing a hockey. Wow. Fewer people can do hockey. Fewer people can do it. It's a harder sport to do, and you have a talent for it. That's what you should be going after. So I oh, sent really? out. 
I was 23 at the time. Okay. okay. So I sent out some tapes uh, with hockey. I had never done it. I didn't know anything about the minor leagues in hockey. I didn't know other than slap shot, which obviously, you know, was a quasi real team, but not really. So I sent my stuff all over the place and Colorado Springs, which I, I mean, I had never lived out there thought it was West to be honest with you. I didn't know it was still <laughs> 15 hours from California. So uh, the guy hired me and that started uh, a run of nearly a thousand games that I called uh, in the minor leagues before I got the call to Edmonton in 2010. Wow. And so influences, like it seems to me Mike for sure. Okay. So even, yeah. even before you were in hockey, he was, Oh yeah. Okay. It, well, what happened was, and, and you'll probably remember this vaguely, is what happened is the Penguins went from truly irrelevant. I mean, I, I don't think even to this day I could name many Penguins that played before 1984. Yeah, but yeah. what happened is I entered high school right about the time Merrill Lemieux started to okay. lift the Penguins out of total oblivion. Okay. And and I was a merry, you know, I, I mean, you just kind of jumped on the bandwagon. I was never a huge Steeler fan. Uh, and, and Pittsburgh wasn't a big baseball city. Hockey, like, kind of took off and became popular. And more importantly, Terry, high school girls loved hockey. So, oh, yeah, nice. <laughs> you know, I became a guy that had tickets every once in a while. And all of a sudden, my non-existent social life became a little bit more social. So, you know, it was, it was a, a great thing to be around and they ended up uh, winning their first Stanley cup championship as I graduated high school. Literally wow. my last day of high school was the day they beat the North stars. You know, that's interesting. I, I never thought about you being from there as in getting caught up in the moment, but like, I'll tell you what I mean. I, I, I was, it was impossible for me not to be a Mario Lemieux fan and Gretzky Lemieux, honestly, it's like one A and one B. I, I hate even comparing, but Gretzky was even, he was slightly, slightly before, because I was like five, six. I knew what hockey right. was. Everybody had Wayne Gretzky stuff on. I knew the Oilers symbol. But when Lemieux started turning it on, I was old enough to realize I was in Adam hockey going, oh my God, what am I watching? And I never heard like really much about the Pittsburgh Penguins. Now they become this, juggernaut and every day water cooler talk whatever you want to call it a uh, hockey card talk at school whatever it was it was Marilyn Mew he's the, he's challenging Wayne Gretzky and then of course he had his own legacy of cups and everything else now what I'm getting at back in the day I remember going into Pittsburgh I didn't think really much of it in the winter and everything but I've been back a couple of times in the summer now for ball hockey and what I really find amusing is that you don't have to say you're a hockey player or a fan or anything. You just go out and the Pittsburgh Penguins are always, it's a buzz. It's a buzz. And I'm wondering, I wonder before that, it must have been a totally different city slash state uh, when it comes to hockey fans. And I, and I, I went, it was went on. Steelers. All it was was Steelers. Must have been, and Jack. It was the Roonies who, of course, own the Steelers and the Steelers. And now... I think you can make a, a serious argument that Merrill Lemieux by himself, not necessarily his extended family like the Roonies, but Merrill Lemieux is now probably the most popular sports figure in Pittsburgh. He's replaced at the time. It was the chief art Rooney, the cigar. You probably, yeah, see yeah, yeah. Man, you know, after they won their Super Bowls, he is now probably the most popular 
sporting figure in the city of Pittsburgh, if not the most popular person. Because remember, he not only was a <laughs> great player, won Stanley Cups, but he saved the team. There is no Pittsburgh Penguins today. Oh, yeah. Just- without Merrill Lemieux. And granted, you know, drafting Crosby helped, but still, Lemieux had the financial wherewithal, much much like Gretzky did with the Coyotes. Mario saved that team in Pittsburgh. He's got standing yeah. reservations all over the city, and I've seen it happen. Actually, yeah, I've seen yeah. I've been I've been in Morton's when someone's parachuted in with a table, and a few minutes later, Mario shows up with with his you know a few a few people. He's got standing reservations all over the city. That guy can do whatever he wants. Well, and and you know, it's timings everything. Crosby resurrected things, but but you know, Lemieux birthed them. It seems I'm look. I'm I'm from right. The they're gone. The Penguins are not around. They're they're not in existence to draft Sidney Crosby, yeah, or maybe it it's the Houston Penguins, or you know, whatever. They were gone. Mario saved that team, and he is he is as beloved a figure. And again, I mean, it wasn't like he was speaking lights out English when he first came to Pittsburgh. <laughs> I, I mean, he has become a very, you know, a, a statesman is what he is. He is, he good is, point. I think he's every bit as important to Pittsburgh today as, as Wayne Gretzky is to Edmonton. And that, that's saying something, but there's just, there's that, extra 20 years yeah. that he spent securing the penguins place in the community. Good point. Um, yeah, to be a part of that, especially as, as a high school kid must've been special. Why Colorado Springs? They were, they were the team that called. They wow. were the team that called uh, back then. I had a couple of options after Colorado Springs, but back then they were the first team to call. Was and, I the and, first year that you were there? I believe. No, second, second. second okay. So you, you knew Leo, you know, Leo. Yeah. Kamek, Craig, you know, Craig Lyons, his older brother, Corey, I think you yeah. missed. He played the first I, year. I, I know I who know, he is, but I missed him. Yeah. I know you've ran into him and, and that whole, you know, there was a, a pretty significant Calgary crew, as you'll recall, a bunch of, bunch of guys from Calgary that were kind of the anchors of that team and a bunch of guys that had played for the Kamloops Blazers. I yeah. mean, they, they had Zach Boyer, of course, scored the, the winning goal in the Memorial Cup. And so there was a Calgary feel to it, but uh, even though Zach's from Edmonton, but, but yeah, so that's, that's how I ended up going to Colorado. And I still remember Terry, I, I'm sure you've never driven it, but I did. And I was into Colorado, probably an hour into Colorado. And I turned to my then girlfriend, future wife, Emily. And I said, if I don't see some mountains soon, we are turning this thing around and driving all the way back home because I didn't come out here to be in Nebraska. And that's where, like, it is flat until right up until you get to basically Colorado Springs. And even then, even then, if you want, if you want to go like for the whole ski and the the, uh, stereotypical mountain experience, you go into, at least I went to Denver Vale, Aspen. Great. Absolutely. So did I. And, And even when they say, Pikes Peak in Colorado Springs, I think I've read. I mean, here we got a computer right next to you at all times. I could just look it up. But I know it's one of, if not the highest peak in uh, continental United States. But when you're in Colorado Springs, it's beautiful. It really is. But it's not what you're thinking. I know I was thinking that I'm going to be in Vail. Like it's going to be uh, snow covered mountains. Yeah, nothing. And it's funny because the mountains are right in your face, but they're not. They're not close. I mean, I mean, Pikes Peak you can access, but in terms of ski slopes, they're it, it, yeah. they're not there, and they're very uh, much not 
Yeah, they they don't even look the part. Yeah, <laughs> they're still beautiful. They, they got great hikes and everything, but yeah. And of course, you're higher in Colorado Springs. That's what's weird is you're actually yeah. higher in Colorado Springs than you are in Denver. I, mean, I remember that 500 feet. Oh, and it's so hard to get used to on the ice. We used to have advantage in the third period, though. Remember Absolutely. Get, given a guy like Craig Lyons, who'd played there for years uh, with his big frame. And, and he's, you know, he was Mario Lemieux, like in relative terms for that league. Right. right. And with that big reach, I think yeah. he's the all time leading scorer and, and an Olympic size. You know, yeah. you get some guys out there that aren't used to that. Or I remember specifically looking at the score sheet on the way in, you know, the game notes and you'd go, OK, um, I don't know who it would be. Uh, Kurt so-and-so came in. Oh, okay. Uh, where'd he play? Uh, he's, he's just his first few games. He was injured. We're like, well, third period, obviously we go. And, and we, cause you couldn't hide it. Some rinks you can kind of, but it was an Olympic size surface. First of all, and second right. of all, you're already way up. You're already higher than any peak in Newfoundland that I could talk of. You're, you're double. <laughs> One of two in that league. Cause remember you had Anchorage too. That yeah. was also Olympic size. So I ended up working for both teams with Olympic size rings. Wow. And I believe the only two in the history of minor league hockey that were Olympic size rings. I, I, so. I haven't seen any more. And I uh, got a, I got another thing for you, Terry. You'll love this. This is, you can't make it up. So the guy they didn't renew, the team had been in existence for one year. I came in the second year. You came in the third year. There was a fourth year and then they were done. Okay. The guy I replaced is now the voice of the Winnipeg Jets. So no. that that team, which is totally forgotten, four years in a league, the league that doesn't forgotten. exist. Yes, four years in a league that doesn't exist. The two guys they hired are active in the Canadian division as play-by-play announcers. That is unbelievable, and unbelievable because there's so many like. You know, you, there's so many people that are trying to do. Oh, you had a million radio guys and I'm sure you can't name them all, but you had a million. And and usually they often, not usually, I don't know. I'm guessing they often come from the AHL to the, you were just on this path. Like, you know, just found yourself in Colorado Springs. Like, you know, the league wasn't even the most well-known. No, Some of the players were like, where's this guy coming from? You know, like, yeah, you know, it was, it was, I like that league was, that league was kind of, as you recall, more IHL washouts, for yeah. lack of a better word, yeah. than anything else. It was an older league. It was an older and league. And so I was one of the younger guys in the league. I was, you know, it's not like we had a bunch of 21 year olds. It, it was not the yeah. East Coast as it later was absorbed into, but that league was kind of an IHL fall off league. Definitely. Well, and guys were used to that. Like, I know the appeal for me, first of all, I thought I was going to be there a week because I was just waiting right. to get traded in the NHL. But now, that being said, what I'm not tripping over my bottom lift. I loved my time there. I got called up to yeah. Hershey, as you'll remember. I played eight games. Yeah. I came back down. I like those guys. I love going to war for them. We had a good bunch. We we didn't win, but we had a good, good bunch of people. I, I really enjoyed it. But that we had a great, uh, we had a great team. And And Terry, the one thing I will say about being in the minors and that team in particular is that I liked and it, it, especially for a guy like me and a non-athlete is I felt part of the team and part of that was the guys on the team they they brought me in even though I wasn't a player I would say that for the most part I was treated as a player like 
it wasn't like guys were running away from me or didn't want to be around me. There was oh, no, no status. Yeah. There was no status on the club in terms of, well, he's not a player or it was just a great inclusive group of guys. Of friends. There's a bunch of, we friends. were all friends. Yeah. We were I, all I, friends. I remember even once. Or, and when you get to that level, you can do it sometimes. Like I remember being in Gunner. Was it Gunner Tomlinson? Yeah. Right. Down there. And he'd be go, T-Bone Sirks. What, what, what do you guys think of this guy? And like, it was often like on the fence and we'd go like, I don't know, but like that one guy's a good guy. Like we know that much. He's, you know, he's a buddy of our, they, so it not, you know, I know the higher you go up, you can't really do that anymore. But when you're at that level, you know, or, or sometimes we go, you know, we could make a trade or I know this one guy I played junior with. <laughs> it was like one of those things. So right. it, it felt like a family for real. And, well, and did you got, you brought Gillian, did you yeah, not? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, that was all you as far as I can remember. Yeah. And, and to be honest, one of the reasons that I went um, was because those guys you mentioned with with with, with let's say Lee, uh, Craig Lyons and Zach Boyer, just to name a couple, because I could go Knox. You know, I looked up to him. These guys, when I was coming into the Western League, were legends. Zach scored that big goal, but he was nineteen twenty. Right. I was playing junior at fourteen, so I was right. out there. I was I was very aware. I was watching on you know Camels Blazers, Camels, and Zach scored that goal. He ended up playing a game or two in the NHL. Zach and Craig, and I also remember. Um, by extension, you were just talking about, you know, how we treated you as part of the team, but that was, um, that was osmosis. That, that wasn't that we were trying to do that. Craig. No, Lyons, no, I get it. Yeah. yeah but some well, teams, plus we were all the same age. We, we were, were all 25, 26. Yeah. Um, some, some teams I've seen do that and, and it's almost, uh, you know, the, there's the team and then there's the staff and, and the, the radio and the, and the trainers. But on that one, I remember Craig and Zach, I can't remember the guy's name, but their radio guy in Kamloops, they were like, he was this legend and they like, he'd come on the bus with them. And it, so I can't remember. I remember Leo referring to him, but anyway, that was kind of, and when you've got leaders that pass that on, right. That, that come, you know, who was going to step out of line there? What was Dimitri right. Dulbanay going to go? No, <laughs> fuck that Leo. <laughs> you know, right. just, you had great leaders and, and that are, that are heading that family. So, like I Tom said, Tom Perry was a great guy on that team. I remember guy. him out of Saskatchewan. Great guy from Brendan Witt's hometown. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Humble. 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 Yeah. And Which, another, of course, unfortunately, yes. Yeah, yeah, I guess, unfortunately. But hey, it's worth yeah. a shout out. Humboldt's. Yeah, absolutely. Remembered for that one thing, but there's been some great hockey player for the small place it is. And exactly. huge hockey fans. That story gets, you know, a lot of traction and, and, and it should. But I, I like to, you know, like I said, I raised my. BJ Young died in a car accident. I, I raised his kid. I, I very rarely, I, I bring his name up a lot, but it is a point. BJ, BJ was a great friend of mine. I can tell you. So, I forgot that. Jeez, you're in Anchorage for God's sakes. Exactly. So two years later, yeah. two years later, I'm, I'm on, you know, on the aces. Davis Payne, who's now an assistant with Ottawa, but, uh, you know, was an assistant with LA's cup winners was head coach for a short time of the St. Louis Blues. B.J. Young's on that team. Scotty Gomez is on that yes. team. This is the 0405 lockout. I'll I'll give you one story, and then I don't want to I don't want to you know uh, hack your podcast here. But I, I'll give right. you one B.J. Young story. That Boy, I got you on here, man. And the more B.J. stories, the better. I really uh, oh, just yeah. so his stories okay, live on, yeah. right? It, it yeah, keeps them alive. He was, in my opinion, he was the Anchorage version of, of Terry Ryan. I mean, there were some similarities there. Uh, a guy, I'll tell you what, Terry, one of the things, before I get to the story, 
I think you'd agree with me, similar to yourself. And, and I think if you're walking down an alley that you don't really want to be walking on, it, it's one thing on the ice, on the ice, whatever. Yeah. But in the alley, BJ Young is the guy you want next to you. Yeah, like that right. guy, you talk about fearless. Like, yeah. I don't care what the odds are. I don't care how big the guy is. BJ ain't backing down. And I loved him for that, Jack. And he, <laughs> in, in the, when we would play in the, in the in junior, like he'd also be on the bench. you with him, right? Yeah, in, in Tri-Cities. I went to Tri-City. I was a first-round pick. He was the second. We yeah. went there together. He was yeah. really, like, BJ was, when he started, like, was like, oh, no, like, we have to go to practice. Or no, right. curfew. I don't want to go in curfew. We didn't really want to stay out and get loaded or anything. He was just like, but he, that's where he came from. His family was laid back in, in, in Alaska. For, like, they weren't, like, this big hockey family. And he started playing. He was really talented. But, like, that's why they had me living with him. That's why we're so close. Because, yeah. like, Bob McCammon would come down and go, Terry, this guy got a, you know, I'm I'm Lucy Goosey, but I'm on time. I work out. Yeah, like, you, no, BJ, you know, yeah. BJ was on his own schedule. <laughs> so this, this brings me to my story. He doesn't play. So so we we incorporate him. And as you remember, that that league had a had a four, I think it was a four or five veteran rule. Yeah. Sorry. Whatever it was, BJ was the fifth veteran. Mm. And for half the season, well, and he reported to camp you know, 225. Yes. Yes. Over yes. so the first half of the season, all he did was get in shape. And I mean, he was brutalized. Davis would skate him and skate him and skate him and skate him. So finally in January in, in San Diego, someone's hurt and BJ young is playing. It's his first game of the year. He's been skating for two months yeah. with the team, but not with the team. If you know yeah. what I mean. And, and Davis is, you know, kind of, all right, here's the system, blah, blah, blah. And BJ cuts him off. Like, literally, the, your coach, who is, you know, from an NHL mindset, like, I'm going to the NHL, he's he's dead serious. And BJ's, like, holds his hand up. He goes, Coach, I got this. And he's like, what do you mean you got it, BJ? This is your first game. We, we're just going – I'll be good. BJ, that night at San Diego, which, as you remember, very good team, year in, year out, has two goals and an assist. <laughs> of course he does. Yeah. He's the first star of the night. We beat San Diego, which, as you remember yeah. back then, was an accomplishment. Yeah, they had huge. a great team, loaded. You know, their tough guy coach Steve. Martin. Who does who, do, who doesn't want to play in San Diego, right? I mean, exactly. Yeah. Who doesn't want to play in San Diego? Yeah. By the way, Steve Martinson, I think, has won eleven championships. By the way, unbelievable. it's unbelievable. So BJ, the next day, you can imagine what happened at night. So the next day we're on the bus. I'll give you two guesses who wasn't on the bus. <laughs> it's time to leave for the airport. We see BJ Young come out of the hotel, doesn't go to the bus, goes to a convenience store, gets like a huge thing of Snapple and something else, and then takes a 100-yard walk to the bus, which he's now 10 minutes late for. Yeah. And I believe walked as slowly as humanly possible. You, you're describing it to a T. Through, through the bag, on the bus, gets on the bus, shirt like mine, except he it's down to here. And he's got the big glasses, and he does have a suit coat, but the shirt is down to here. So chest hair bulging, and I mean, right out of you know, he is he is beach guy. Walks on the bus, walks like stares at Davis, 
walks right past him. Davis is so stunned he doesn't say anything. And we had a guy named Charles Linglay on our team who played a couple of games for Edmondson, played for years in the queue, and then played a couple of games for the Edmonton Oilers, believe it or not. As wow. as, as BJ Young goes to the back of the bus, Charles Linglay is sitting right behind Davis Payne. He goes, my name is BJ Young. I don't care. <laughs> and the, and Davis didn't say a word. And we're 15, but you know, barely get to the barely get to the airport on time. But that was BJ Young. I, I love that you said that. I didn't know that story, Jack. And that describes every every story I would have is just a microcosm of that story. He yes. a, not a bad guy. People often get it no. wrong. They don't know him. They're like, that young guy was crazy. I'm like, man, he was definitely on his own planet, but a really talented player. You can imagine when he was in shape. I mean, he had 58 in Red Deer. Um, yeah. When I played with him, it, he was, um, Jack, we went, to, yeah, we were together. We went to, to uh, Tri-Cities and that was the thing. They used to, because they we had, we'd like to have fun. I have I have a lot of that in me, what you just described, but I was at least punctual and knew the rules and was trying to get to the next level. And, and you well, know, BJ process. knew the rules. Yeah, BJ knew the rules. He just ignored them. Totally. And that's why they would put now you see why they would put him with me, because right. like, we can't put him with some stiff because, you know, he's just they're just not going to get along. And that's why Aaron Asham bikes. It was our good buddy. And then all, it was always the three of us. It was, you know, hanging out. Um, that must have been quite the crew. It was a crew, yeah. And we, we had great supporting cast in Red Deer. We, we lost. But in all seriousness, you know, B.J. Young, honestly, and he would do it for me and he would do it for anyone he knew and liked, is if you got yourself in trouble, B.J. Young would not hesitate. Man. He was as loyal a guy and also, I mean, as just as – I mean, I'm, I'm not kidding. I, I've always had respect for – you know, the, the tough guy aspect, what kind of what you did mm. in, in your role in the game, what my current partner, Louis DeBrusque, de, did yeah. in his part of the game. I have tremendous respect for those guys because I can't imagine doing it. BJ was not that kind of player, as you know, yeah. but he was as a person. Yeah. If you were at the bar and some guys started getting loud and aggressive with you, BJ was there in a flash and you know that as well as i, I remember car breaking more down. so than any guy i can think of right off the top of my head no you're you're exactly right jack i'm glad you said it and there's a lot of listeners i don't beat it to death and, and if i talk about it, it often seems like i'm looking for some, it's some like self-adulation yes but bj was bj yeah. was he wasn't to be honest with you it wasn't that tough on the ice he got in a fight in victoria but he would Dale do it. He'd do it knowing that the team's right. there and someone's got to stand up to this person. I'm not going right. to, but he wasn't, no, he wasn't on the ice. No. He wasn't that tough. Remember no. Dale Puritan? Yes. Oh yes. my God. Do I ever. So he got to fight with Dale Puritan on the ice. <laughs> Dale rushed at him and BJ took his helmet off and threw it at him. Oh like, yeah. Yeah. He got suspended for it. So he was not the toughest guy on the ice, but again, I would say he was even tougher than tough guys on the ice because when it counted for real, like in the streets and in real oh. life scenarios, that guy was always there. He was a loyal friend. He wouldn't. He and he. There was no show like with Penley Minutes. I, I remember him coming in. This is going to sound barbaric, but I remember Brant Myers got traded to Spokane, and we were sixteen, and we were, and they were giving it to us. And Jerry Johansson came in and just riot act. He snapped on everybody in that dressing room. And BJ and I looked over and he winked at me 
and he was looking down. He put tough skin all over his hands. He was pissed because they were throwing him around. He was going to get the last laugh. He said, I don't know who's going to fight me, but I'm going to cut him. Like he'd get that. And it wasn't for him, his own personal scouting or or it was, you know, he's right. Noof. We're getting thrown around here once in a while. And he knew he wasn't the toughest, but he would, he would cheat if he had to. Um, Yeah. The last thing I'll say, and I don't talk about it much, man. I don't know if I've ever said it, but yeah. So you can imagine a guy like that getting the no- And I'm from here in Newfoundland. He's from Anchorage. We go into the Western League. The other thing, we, we, we were complete. For, we were from another planet. We didn't know any of these guys. We'd never right. been to these provinces or state. BJ was from U.S., but he's from Anchorage. So right. we're in this new spot, new high school, new everything. And, you know, we were, we were uh, billets together, room, room together. And, uh, yeah, no. And now it'd probably be off limits in junior like it should be, but we'd sneak away and, you know, 16, 17, have a few beers here and there coming of age stuff outside of the rink. We were, you know, buddies going to high school and, and, and really living something new. And we didn't know we were going to make the NHL. We didn't even know if we were good enough for the WHL when we met, um, you know, just, just staring life in the eyeballs, you know, we're, we're just going right into it. And we had conversations and he was that kind of guy. And people go, why did you raise his son? I, 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 the best way I can explain it, you just said he's the most loyal person I've ever known. I remember breaking down at four o'clock in the morning on a night that I should have been home. I wasn't like breaking curfew, quote unquote. I was over, you know, I I just started to get late. Okay. So I was in, but I was just at this girl's house and BJ, geez, Noof, I got to come get you. He said, I'll risk it for you. I'll come get you anyway. He goes, you got to get home. So, and he knew that if I got in trouble, he got in trouble because I was the one keeping him in line. But anyway, we were real good buddies and that, and, and, you know, Tyson's a good kid, but it's not like it didn't take any work. BJ was a good friend. Tyson was eight when I got into his life. It's all good. I, I just want to make that clear. And, and thank you for saying it. Um, now, uh, nearly brought a tear to my eye. Now, how did you get from Colorado to Anchorage? I believe, again, this is what's another part of your unique journey. You go Colorado Springs, West Coast League, Anchorage, which transforms over in the East Coast League, each for a significant amount of time, and then you go right to Edmonton. It's not like you had 23 steps, or am I missing something? I no, just Googled right. it. You're so right. How, I, why, why Anchorage? And Well, Colorado went under. So Colorado goes under in August of 2002. Okay. And that's, as you can imagine, well, maybe you can't imagine, but even for a player, if you're still looking for a team in August – that, that's not good. I mean, so they went out of business in August. And I was – I maybe I should have, you know, been expecting it. Obviously, we never drew crowds, as you know, in Colorado Springs. But I wasn't expecting that they would have pulled the plug in August. Yeah. And I was scrambling. So I had two options. I had Greenville, South Carolina, or I had Anchorage, Alaska. And to be honest with you, and I think you'd concur, my, my gamble was to go to Anchorage because I thought, you know what, there's a city that appreciates good hockey if they could ever just, as you remember, their team was a gong show. Yeah. Uh, just an absolute, you know, it was, it was not well run, not out of deliberate, you know, circumstance, but just because of cash flow problems. They're, they're, the guy there that was the owner of the Aces, he put his heart and soul into it, but – the cash flow became an issue. And so I, you know, I wanted to go there, but I of course wasn't going to join that circus initially. 
but they got new ownership who then made some extra overtures to me and said, look, here's how we're going to do it. Here's, here's what we're going to do. We're going to bring in reputable people, blah, 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 blah. And it took a year, but then, like I said, they hired, they hired this guy, Davis Payne. They started to understand that they had to go younger and they, they took basically a glorified, you know, senior team, an older team, a West coast league team and turned it into an ECHL developmental team. They brought up guys like Charles Lingley, uh, like Chris Menard, Scotty Burt, Scotty Burt, one of my, my roommate in very red deer. We talked about, I, I nearly left Scotty Burt out. He was, he was one of the yes. posse. I just told you, but yeah, great guy yeah. winner. Right. Yeah, guy I've known for a long time. Now you had him in, in Idaho. This is before Scott Burt and Burt ended up, in Alaska, but, but these early years was, was primarily, you know, younger players. Scott Burt came in the second wave of players played for a guy by the name of Keith McCambridge, oh, who Keith you might remember. Keith great was junior player, Kamloops, Swift current. Yeah. A left tough, shot defenseman. Tough, tough guy, tough yeah. guy would, again, would, would fight anyone. And again, I mean, unfortunately for Keith, I think he played something like 500 games. Put it this way. I know. I knew every time. What's that? Uh, sorry to cut you off. Um, oh. I put it this way with McCambridge. Yeah. I knew every time he was on the ice. Put it that way. You keep yeah. your head up and you know, not necessarily big and dirty, just mean, tough yeah. and good. Right. Just. And, and, and the other guy that Davis brought in, and I know, you know, this guy, because he was a guy that even you might have been like, I'm not excited to fight this guy because he wasn't a great yeah. fighter but he was a little crazy and that was the beast ryan bast Remember him? Oh, yeah i know ryan bass pretty well i saw him a couple of years ago too out in edmonton at a charity game and oh, he's yeah. leaning out and he, as you know he gets that certain look in his eye and you're like well maybe we can yeah i mean th that was a guy that you weren't excited to fight even though he wasn't necessarily known for always fighting he would often lose his temper and fight. And then that would, you know, that that's a different. That's sport. often where it's a different animal, man. Sometimes you're getting your penalty minutes in at the end of the game. Right. And sometimes this yeah. guy wants to hurt you. So we had that. And, and he was the latter. He was a guy that he was a guy that, you know, if, if we did or whatever, and, and it didn't go well for me, I'm still going to get you. Uh, I'll, I'll give you a great story about the beast. He broke that first year. Davis Payne was the head coach. He broke our leading scorer's arm in practice. Wow. He got mad at him and he slashed him and broke his forearm. That's so. I often found the other thing is the guys we're mentioning came out of the Western Hockey League in the nineties, and I often, you know, I'm coming from Newfoundland, and we yeah. same sort of people swap the uh, fishing rods for uh, tractors, whatever you want to say, but yeah. very very similar people, but. At that time, I'm telling you, I because I used to watch OHL games, Q, like I went out coming from here and going out west, I, I I kind of had a better idea of what every like in the Western League, everybody thought this was normal, like that we couldn't warm up together and that they took 10 minutes away because like too many people were trying to pile up penalty minutes. There was asked Strudwick about that. Like it, it, it there was there to me, there, I, I knew that I was in this league that was a little bit more like the jungle than every other league on earth. And like when I came out of there, sure enough, we go to the AHL. Now there were obviously tough guys and tough stories, but 
people used to look at the Western League guys and go, Jesus, dude, settle the fuck down a little bit. And, and Struddy, as you know, Struddy's like Ryan Bass, like Keith McCambridge. Not a huge guy, kind of leaned out, more of a greyhound than anything else. Greyhound. But again, tough as they come. Yeah. And it bred into, and not naturally. If you talk to Struds, he's right. like this really he uh, learned. Know, articulate guy but yeah. in the western league i'm telling you we played them 14 times a year kamloops and i did not want to play and there's nothing for the and he cross-check you and then you're coming back in he cross-check you again and then he'd slash you over the ankle and it always i'd look around i'm like you know a guy like nolan baumgartner did it and he would get a penalty because he didn't do it much i'm like but guys like strudwick and mccambridge it was like well you know like that's what they do I'm like yeah what right. do you mean that's what they do? <laughs> You're just kidding. Yeah. So, so we had a, you know, it's funny when I, so he, again, he brought seasoned pros like McCambridge Bast and, and that kind of set the table for Alaska. And it became, you know, Alaska became the gold standard for that league. They, 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 transformed, they, they transformed themselves from, as you remember, a bit of a total gong show. I, I remember Jack looking at it thinking, I, I would have done what you did, though. I would have picked it because it had potential. It was yes. obvious. You'd go up there and go, geez, there's no like intermission games or like nothing's put some effort into this. Some of the yeah. players had like different color helmets and stuff. You're like, yeah. man, like when we first went up there, I was like, you know, get be they had to get professional first and, and figure right. out an identity. Well, and their best player do. was their coach, Walt Putnam. <laughs> 40 pounds past his yeah. playing <laughs> God rest his soul. And I love Kimby Daniels guys like up there. And I love Kimby, but they, there was no direction. It just seemed like there was no right. direction. Guys were up and there collecting. Kimby, a Kimby ended up winning a title yeah. in 06. He scored not one, but two, three on five goals in the Pretty final deadly. series. Yeah. And, and Kimby, you know, Kimby, and there's another character we can spend, but, but Kimby was a guy I remember he got on the bus after he scored the three-on-five goal, and he told the boys, he goes, what did I tell you? Ten years ago, I ruled this league with an iron fist, and I still do. <laughs> you know, and everyone you know, just went nuts. But that's the kind of guy Kimby was. I, what I love about Kimby, Kimby's like – because uh, he, I came into Tri City as a 15 year old, and Kimby got right. traded to us. And I, I'd seen him play in the World Junior that year. Yeah. Like, but if you look it up, it was nuts. He, he only played like in Tri City seven games. He had 21 points, right, right around well, he there. Seven goals in yeah. one Western Hockey League game, as you yeah, know. he did. He was incredible. But I remember, like, he was easily waylaid one one way or the other. Like Kimby, yes. he needed leaders around him. So yes. same player, right? Even yeah. years later, they just surrounded him. He's not bringing yeah. down the bus, but he's certainly not going to be the leader to take yes. into the promised land, but have him around as a like Phil Kessel in a relative term. In a exactly. Relative, yeah. Davis, Davis Payne did not love Kimby, but when we were down five on three, who was on the ice? Yeah. You know, at that time, Kimby was 33 years old. Yeah. And, yeah. and still, you know, as he said, when he turned it on, he was as good a player at that level as there was. As there was, I definitely say I'd, I'd agree. And uh, funny guy. What, so, how did you did you enjoy your time in Anchorage? I mean, you must have, Jack. You you went uh, up. There? I, both my kids were there. You were there, I think, uh, shortly before I got engaged. So you knew at that time it was just yeah. my wife and I. She she followed me up to Anchorage. We had both our kids there. We were there eight years. Wow. Uh, the team was successful. We had you know fifty five hundred people in the stands on average. Which, you know, again, if you remember when we used to go up there, it'd be a couple thousand. I mean, it was not a well, but again, once we got it going and, and the team started winning, 
we won a championship. We went to a conference final. We went to another league final where we lost in game seven. So the team was very successful uh, on and off the ice. And a lot of guys ended up coming through there. Uh, another one of your favorites, I bet. I think he's a couple years older than you. My last coach in Alaska that you'll remember is Brent Thompson. Remember oh, him? Yeah, we got in a few fights with him in the AHL. Yeah. Yes. And he was a guy, and he says it to this day. Yeah. He says it about Louie. I, for, I forgot to ask him about you, but he says it about Louie. He goes, oh, I was scared of it. And Louie, of course, tells the story different. He may have been scared of me. He wasn't afraid to fight and lose. And, oh, yeah, he, he could was, go. He was tough. He was tough and would fight anyone. And Brent Thompson, also a really good friend, still, uh, as you know, a very successful American Hockey League coach, great family, and his, and his boy, Tage, uh, is really getting a shot now, as you know, uh, you know, first-round pick himself. Wow. Um, that's great. I, I fought him. I was kind of – I won't use the word – scared i was full of pits and vinegar my first year in the a but like he was someone to look out for and then i remember looking at his stats he played in the nhl big tough guy didn't say much like yeah. if he if he if he spoke up you'd 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 be aware like you know and he grabbed me a couple times we had some good ones but yeah if you, if you talk to him to yeah I, I remember running into a Navarro once i don't know him well we've definitely we got a lot of the same friends i would think he has the same sort of mutual respect yeah but, oh yeah Sure. T tell him I, I fought a lot of guys, as you know, but like I could feel his punches. Like, yeah. It, oh, he hit hard. Yeah. He hit hard. And he could, he obviously could take a punch. I mean, if you're fighting Louis DeBrust at his weight class, I mean, Brent was not a big guy. He was like you. Yeah. I yeah. mean, he, he was a fighter, but he had your frame. I mean, and that's the other thing, Terry, people need to know. I mean, you didn't play it much more than 185 pounds, as I remember it. No, no, I didn't. I didn't. I, and my hockey card, Jack. And, um, on my hockey card, it says 207 because in junior, when Central Scouting were there, I taped weights to my legs to be a bit. Yeah. But that's what I was. I was about one, I never, 185. I never one believe minute. that for a, a second. <laughs> I know. I, do, I, I wanted them up 215. Yeah, I was no, after, you, yeah. you were 190 tops. I mean, I, and I don't remember you even being there. And and Brent had the same challenge. You know, he's 195 pounds fighting 220 pound dudes. And he fought up most of the time, the too. He, he went yeah. up. He went up a weight class most fights. Right. And, and, you, and you'll so learn quick. And that's a hard way to make a living. And, and you yeah. did it your whole life. Well, well, thank you for that. I, I consider it a compliment. I'll, I'll never forget, Jack, you, you are really good at what you do. I remember, you know, I was hurt so much in Colorado Springs. I did a lot of games with you doing the color. Well, you know. had a high ankle sprain, did you not? Yeah, that was horrible. Well, no. First, I ended up with that. You As I First. remember... First, remember a guy skated over my arm, and I, I was, I fell in the slot, and a guy skated over my arm. Oh, that's right, you got caught. Yeah. Yeah, and, yeah, and you skated off the ice, and you left a trail of blood. Yeah, I didn't know like, what was happening. Like in the old uh, Wiley. Yeah. yeah, I thought so. Yeah, that's that exactly. Now I did, I, like I did. That. I had a high ankle sprain too, which was it was a bad year for that. But um, yeah. I, and I, I really Which wanted is probably to, a worse injury. To be honest it was worse, long lasting. I, I felt that for years and it ended up, yeah. it ended up knocking me that far back that by the time it felt good, I was 27, 28 playing senior hockey. And I didn't even think about it. You, yeah. you, you know, you take a guy out in his prime and it was a struggle for me anyway. It made some bad decisions in Montreal not to go back. They were being stubborn. I was being stubborn. Things had to go. Now that, that being said, I ended up in a great, these aren't regrets, but that year, the only thing I regret that year, if I didn't like what I wanted to do, I believe, I believe I had 40 points in, in 30 games. 
I wanted to play with Craig Lyons more and a guy like RJ Enga, who was, you know, couldn't check his way out of a wet paper bag, but he was really talented. And I, and, or Zach, right. We had two right shots that were scores and we had, uh, Perry, Lions, left shots, and I'd always get put somewhere in between those guys. And I loved playing because we had this big ice surface, as we talked about. And I, my favorite part of the game is passing. You would never think it if you look, but you know, I was always put with. Why was I put with BJ? Why was I put with Lankow? When I got put with Craig Lyons, what put with Mark Wolf? Late years later, remember Mark played for San Diego in senior hockey. You know, we went all the way to the yeah. Cup final yeah. together. We had one two in scoring. So that's what I regret. It's not so much any big thing about going back to the NHL that year. It's that the, the injuries, I would have really loved to play a full season with those talented players, right? Yeah. But now in any case, in any case, that didn't happen. And I'm still playing senior. Love doing it. Now, you go from clearly Colorado, good experience, a little longer. You're up, there, you're up in Anchorage for eight or nine years. What? How all of a sudden, not you don't you're not AHL, you're not even going over the minors in Germany, you're not even changing sports for a little bit. You're not you're going directly to the Edmonton Oilers of the NHL. How in the name of God did that happen? Not that I, I don't have confidence in you. Just I, I I to this day I don't know. as as I think I've told you before, to my knowledge. I'm the first American ever to call games for a Canadian team on a regular basis. Like, I was going to ask you that. I, I, yeah. I, in my knowledge, and I Googled it, I couldn't, but it's not exactly, it doesn't jump out at you, but I don't know anybody else. Uh, no. And, and for that reason, I almost didn't apply for it. I, and as you can imagine, I mean, I, I was very close on a number of jobs, you know, for years. I mean, I had been knocking at the door, but I hadn't been able to, you know, crack the lineup, so to speak. And it was Edmonton who gave me the shot. And I don't know. I didn't know anyone here. What I think helped me was they had never hired for the position before. The guy I was hired to, I don't even want to say replace because he's in the Hall of Fame. His name's Rod Phillips. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. He was the original voice the Oilers did for 39 years. Okay. And, I didn't know you know, an that. absolute legend of a person, a, a man, whatever. I mean, anything you can think of, he, he, he rules this town. Uh, and with good reason. Uh, great guy. Very kind to me my first couple of years here when I would see him on a regular basis. And I think because they had never hired for the position before, their attitude was, well, you know, we're looking at everybody. I mean, we don't know. In other words, we don't have a process. We don't have a short list. We don't have an existing like, well, here's the three or four guys we're going to look at. They had never thought about it because this guy was going to be doing it for as long as he wanted to do it. And he decided after 2010 that he was done. So in the summer of 2010, they were looking at everybody. I think the cachet a little bit of, of working in Alaska, I think it has to raise an eyebrow if you're the employer. Like, what is this this guy from Alaska? Like, we got to talk to this guy. Like, <laughs> Alaska? You know, I mean, I think that helped me. Yeah, I can see that. The other thing I'll say, and this is, I, I, you know, you need a break at some point. I obviously didn't know anyone here. I'd never set foot in Alberta. I had basically been to Victoria and Toronto. I don't think I had ever even been to Vancouver in terms of Canada. I was, I was an American. So I had been to Toronto because any kid who grew up, you know, Pittsburgh or thereabouts eventually goes to Toronto for some reason. I can't even remember why I went. 
and then Victoria through our league. So I had been to those two cities, and that is it in Canada. Never been to Calgary, never been to Saskatchewan, never been to Winnipeg, you know, never really even been to, like, places like Windsor that you'd be really familiar yep. with. In Ontario. Never been to any of it. Um, never been to Montreal, none of that. So, you know, going up to Alberta was, a, you know, I mean, that was the stretch. I didn't know anyone, didn't know anyone with the team. But here's where life sometimes gets in the way. They had a six-person hiring committee for this job, for the job that I got. And one of the people on that committee lives downtown, very nice place, and happens to be next-door neighbors with a Mr. and Mrs. Ryan and Charlotte Bast. Oh, my. He's from Alberta. So is Zach Boyer, but Ryan Bast is also from Edmonton, Alberta. Yeah. So one of the guys on the hiring committee is on his barbecue in July of 2010. And he goes, Hey, by the way, I've been meaning to ask you, do you know this guy from Alaska, Jack Michaels? And thank God beastie was a good player. Cause if it had been someone else, he might've been like, Oh, that guy's a jerk. He carved me up and down, but I love the beast. I, yeah. I we, got, we got along in that sort of way where you find a way to get along with this guy because you're not sure what would happen if you don't get along with him. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Beast, Beast was a friend of mine, but he was also like, you know, I knew this guy was, you know, crazy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was a great guy, but definitely a guy you want to be friends with rather than not friends with. And Beast and I still laugh to this day. He said, oh, greatest guy in the world. I asked for a roommate switch one time. He hooked me up. Team guy, you'll love him. And and again, if you know Beast, and I know you don't know him that well, but he's kind of like you, very folksy. And I know him, he, fair, he I, I know him fairly my, well. Um, the thing yeah, is, he pumped my tires. Yeah, he was he was really really nice about it. And that I think gave me a little bit of an edge. So when I came up for the interview, I think again it helped me. Hey, we this guy doesn't know anyone up here. But unsolicited, a neighbor of mine said, great guy, which goes back to your point about minor league recruitment of players. Sometimes yeah. it's not about the, the guy, what a great announcer he was, but hey, this guy will fit in. Yeah. And that's what Beast did for me. He fit in he, and worked he hard. Gave me a, and he gave, but he gave me a verbal recommendation that was better than anything on my tape or on my resume. Fantastic. Again, Good for him. I'm not, I'm not saying for a moment that I had great relationships with everyone I ever worked with. That's probably not true, but I did have enough friends amongst the players, I think, and th that were, that were meaningful. And this was one of them. Definitely. And it well, all like I said, it's, it's fit in, it's show respect and work hard. You know, you, you do all that stuff. Um, no, Ryan went. So in 2007, 2008, I, um, I think, you know, what's that? In, in 2007, 2008, oh, 2008 yeah. I went out to Bentley, Alberta yeah. to play with the Bentley Generals. Uh, and he was playing for Stony Plain uh, in the senior league. And um, oh, yeah. so and, and we did some charity stuff together. You know, we, we had a few beers. I know Ryan fairly well. He bought a couple of books off me. Um, Great. And I've never actually played on his team. But of, of course, like you said, you know, you, it, it's a you know, it's a karma thing. It's a positive vibe. Like eventually. You know, he's a guy that eventually I knew that I'd get to know. It took till I was about 30, 32. Yeah. Um, so how yeah. do you enjoy Great it now? Guy. And I, listen, listen, what's it like to be to be doing this 
now, I mean, for, for, for with, that, you know, watching David and Drysaddle. Yeah. Every day. Yeah. Look what you're doing, Jack. Look what you're doing. You're being paid to watch. Uh, Legends is, you know, it, the direction that we're going in. I mean, who knows? The sky's the limit for these guys. It'd be like Gretzky and Curry, you know, or something close in, in the early 80s. Well, how do you, you must enjoy it. No, it's, I say this, and I have had great tons in the minor leagues, and I think it's because of that. But, but obviously, as you know, it's all on existence. So I think, and I'm not trying to a high horse here. There's a lot of talented people who didn't have to take the journey. Uh, yeah, action hasn't been great a couple times on your end. Am I blipping right now? Here's, here's what we're going to do, Jack. Um, do you mind coming back on again, say, say this time next month? Perfect. That's what we'll do. Perfect. And I'll get some, I never have like, I never, with me, it's always stories and tales and, um, but I never um, have, you know, analyzed that maybe we can have you on. Cause I, I want to get to the rest of your story. We're, we're halfway done. And um, yeah. you know, maybe you can give your take on the current NHL or something. You can be my guy at the beginning of every month. We'll have a chat. Uh, you know, if, sure. if you don't mind. I'll send you a book. How's that? Anything, for you. Anything for you. Okay. Well, listen, man. Love the book. Love the book. If you got book, I, I got you one. You know me. I'm accepting a free gift. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, anytime, Terry, anytime. You just send me a text and we'll do it. Okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to do it. I, I really appreciate your time today. I'm not, I, for some reason, we got a little bit of a bad connection, but it only just started. So let's let's cut it off now. Talk to you soon, Jack. Okay. It's been great talking to you. If, if nothing else, man, um, I'm really pumped that we'll talk again soon. Let's keep in touch uh, uh, off the airwaves. Um, I'll send you a book. And, uh, I will. You, you, yeah, you, you'll enjoy. Um, and you, you might even be in the next one. I got another one coming in September. <laughs> we'll talk about that soon. <laughs> Okay, buddy. Thanks very much for coming on. There you have it. The man, the mystery, jumping Jack Flash, Jack Michaels. Um, that was a real treat to talk to Jack again. Uh, just a great person. And uh, with a great family and always has worked hard. And um, I got nothing but good to say about Jack. And I really respect his hockey knowledge Um because like I said, he got the job. I'm sure if and Jack loves hockey, if he'd gotten a football job back in the day, who knows what would have happened. But he's become not only a fan and not only a historian, but he's somewhat of a legend himself. And he's he's 10 years through a career now with the Edmonton Oilers. And the guy's young. He's chipper. Jack's, I think, 45, 44, 45. Lots of time left and a good fella. So thanks again, my friend, and we'll hear from him soon. He'll be my, my like, current situation, my uh, hockey uh, analyst, for lack of a better way to put it. Um, let's see. Oh, Draft Kings. I almost forgot pigskin fans. <clears throat> the moment you've been waiting for all season is right around the corner. DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of Super Bowl 55, is bringing back their golden ticket giveaway with up to $55 million in prizes up for grabs. All you have to do to get your share of these huge prizes is enter DraftKings' free Super Bowl prediction challenge. Once you submit your picks, you'll get a free instant prize up to $25,000. And if 
You have the most predictions correct. You could win the top prize of $1 million. Download the app now. Enter the pre-prediction challenge. Answer questions like, who scored last? And boom, get ready to make it rain. DraftKings has paid out over $7 billion to its players since 2012 so that they, knew they know a thing about big they know a thing or two about big paydays. Excuse the marbles in my mouth. Download the DraftKings app now and use promo code THPN to enter the free $55 million Super Bowl prediction challenge. Everyone gets an instant prize up to $25,000 just for playing. So use promo code THPN now and enter, <coughs> excuse me, enter the free $55 million Super Bowl challenge. Only at DraftKings, the official daily fa- fantasy partner of Super Bowl 55. Terms and conditions and eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Check it out, folks. Also, if you're in St. John's or area, check us out. TJ's Pub on George Street. Uh, lots of events. We're doing lots of events now. Um, and by extension, Green Sleeves. Green Sleeves uh, got lots of live music. Usually there's a guitar and a voice at the very least. And some great food. Um, and drinks and TJ's, of course, we don't have a kitchen, but uh, we got some great activities. We got some comedy coming up, uh, Super Bowl. We got a pool table, dartboards, all that stuff. In other words, it's COVID. We can uh, we can help with that. <laughs> have some fun. Why not? Uh, Wedgwood Cafe. Check that out, folks. My good friend, Peter Wedgwood. Uh, and... Uh, He's great at what he does. Wedgwood Cafe is uh, locally owned here in St. John's and operated. And uh, yeah, Wedge, thanks for listening to every episode and uh, support uh, since day one. So that's that. Merchant Tavern. Check out Merchant Tavern on uh, Water Street. My good buddy, Jeremy Charles, and upcoming guest, Jeremy, will be on. Jeremy's, of course, one of the most renowned chefs on the planet and is my childhood buddy and uh, probably you know you say like best friend when you're a kid and those things yeah, that could Jeremy was um, you know was my best buddy we were together every day we had a close close-knit group a lot of us were real close but me and JC were together pretty much every day and it's been a couple of years since I'm ha- I've had him on any sort of program I believe he did a little blurb with Biz Nasty when he was here and I had him on my old podcast but Tales with TR he's coming up and we got some great other guests as well. I mean, I actually have five or six lined up. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's that. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope everybody's, at least at least all my listeners, are making the most out of COVID. Uh, Bell Let's Talk was last week. And um, I just want to reiterate to everybody that if it's, it is, if you're, don't bottle it all up, okay? Don't bottle it all up in your head. Then it gets worse. Talk to somebody. I mean, communication, and you're not, you're not alone. There's no problem that you can possibly have that you're on your own. I promise you that. And uh, just when you think it couldn't get any worse, keep, keep powering through. It's not how, uh, about how hard you get hit. It's about hard, uh, how hard you get hit and get back up and keep on moving. That's from Rocky Balboa. Anyway. I find myself having to look in the mirror and say those things on a daily basis. So I'm sure that some people that are doing a little bit worse than I am through these times, maybe have lost people, lost friends or family. 
uh, maybe lost a job. I get, and there's probably, I get that. And there's probably more of you out there now than ever. And uh, a lot listening to this show. You're loved. Uh, thank you for listening. Thanks for all the support. And like I said, one of these a week. Thanks to my new sponsors, DraftKings. Peace, everybody. See you soon. Thank you, Jack Michaels. Love you, baby. Thank you.